oh, I feel like the guy in that commercial. But look, a lot of Canadians do. But at the same time, a lot of Canadians do not but would like to. And so the, the question of housing affordability is very much a relevant issue to Canadians. And it's something that all the parties, uh, for the most part, are, are promising to address. Now, it's interesting because I think the tricky thing for the incumbent party is that they've had six years to do something about this. Uh, the Conservatives have proposed a plan to, to build a million new homes over three years. They want to try to bar foreign investors from buying homes and leaving them sitting empty. Uh, they say they want to encourage uh, seven to ten year mortgages, make some changes to the stress test. Uh, even the NDP are talking about even the, the idea of a 30 year mortgage. Uh, they want to put a 20% foreign buyer's tax on the sale of homes. They want to build more affordable housing. Look, I mean, you know, the, the housing market's a pretty clear example of supply and demand, right? And the notion that the price of anything is going to be what someone's willing to pay, we definitely see that in the housing market. And you see some big differences, you know, across the country, you know, with outliers like Vancouver and Toronto. But, you know, it's it's a varying problem depending where you are. Overall, though, I think it's fair to say that, you know, it was much easier to buy your first home, say, maybe a generation ago than it is now. There's a lot of factors behind that. Ultimately, though, because it's supply and demand, I guess we got to address one side of it, add more supply or discourage demand. Now, the tricky thing is for people who own homes and are concerned about the value of that home, whether it's going up or going down, you know, there could be some impact on that side of it. Joining us to talk more about these issues, very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Dr. Paul Kershaw, Associate Professor of the School of Population and Public Health at UBC, also founder of the advocacy group Generation Squeeze. Paul, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So your thoughts on why this, this seems to have uh, jumped out as, as such a big issue early on in this campaign? Well, I sure enjoyed your summary of the election platform. Oh, you do that as well as anyone else I've heard, because there are a lot of details there. And I also think you've showcased uh, why the two reasons why housing is front and center this time in our election, and because it's so front and center this time in our economy. There's two groups. On the one hand, there's a group of folks for whom trying to get into the housing market and make a home, either as an aspiring homeowner or as a renter, it's so much more challenging today. And you pointed to, you know, sure, Metro Vancouver and the GTA get a lot of the attention about extreme unaffordability. But even in Calgary over, you know, the last um, a couple of decades, if you adjust for inflation, home prices have nearly doubled today by comparison with two decades ago. And that's even though the economy in, in Alberta right now isn't, you know, is, is uh, hot as it has in the past. And so right. it's just showing it takes more work for a young person or a newcomer to your region to be saving for a down payment. So hard work doesn't pay off when saving for our major cost of living. That's going to frustrate a large block of potential voters. But you also then nailed one of the reasons why we, as a society, aren't that concerned when home prices rise faster than local earnings, because people who are already homeowners, full disclosure, I'm one of them, um, you know, we get more wealthy, we get more equity when we're sleeping and when we're eating and when we're watching TV, when the market is driving our home value up. 
And so that is the key tension. And in the election right now, we have a lot of focus on the first group of people. How could we help that demographic, you know, try and get into the housing system, afford more rent, afford to save for a down payment? But we're a little bit hesitant to talk about hmm, there's a connection between their challenge and others benefiting from these rising home prices. And I think that's the next stage our public dialogue needs to go. So far, I don't see any of the platforms feeling really comfortable going there because it's a complicated and controversial issue. Well, that's the thing. And I mean, you talk about housing in Alberta the last two decades, and sometimes I think we look at it as a good problem to have. It's reflective of, of a, a well-performing economy. I'm, you know, people who lived here in the 80s might remember the term jingle mail, right? Because that referred to the idea that you were just going to walk away from your home because it had plummeted in value below even what the, the mortgage was, and you're just going to put the keys in the mail and uh, send yeah. it off to the bank, right? So, and, and that was representative of, of a really terrible economy. So it gets back maybe to the question you you kind of are posing here that that we decided whether high housing prices are, are a good or a bad thing. Oh, uh, again, wow, this is a great injury. And Rob, so I think you just nailed it. Maybe we should like be having that pumped over your Twitterverse right now. Um, because this actually needs to be the key question all of our citizens, all of our voters are asking our parties right now. Because they'll tell us a lot of important things. And you summarize a lot of the policy levers they're trying to pull. Each of these parties is talking about a crisis. Uh, and they are not just offering one silver bullet solution. They're talking about a range of policy tools they can try to deploy to address it. But unless we are clear on what we want for home prices, we're not going to necessarily know whether or not we are actually achieving our objective. And so we need to, I think, uh, I would urge us all to say, let's try to have, generally speaking, home prices stall for the next many years to give earnings a chance to catch up. But when I say that, it does then mean I am encouraging all of us to think about a different approach to growing our economy in this country. So if I could just share a couple of facts with you. In Canada, the biggest part of our gross domestic product, the biggest part of our economy, if not oil and gas, as you might be thinking, Albert, it's actually real estate rental and leasing. 14% of Canada's economy is in that industry, real estate. That would be great if around 14% of people found employment in the same industry. But we don't. Very few people, fewer than 2% of Canadians, find employment in real estate rental and leasing. And so what does that mean about our approach to growing the economy in Canada of late? It means we've been welcoming our major cost of living, housing, going up and up and up, getting more expensive, but we haven't been producing jobs and numbers that ensure earnings that industry keep pace, and so job uh, earnings more generally in the economy are falling behind. It's one way to grow an economy. It's good for the small number of people who work in real estate. It's good for homeowners, but it's crushing the way that hard work pays off for those more generally who are new to the market. And I think that's why, as we're wanting to build back better coming out of the pandemic, we need to think about an approach to growing the economy that's not about relying on growing the cost of real estate. Do you think this is something that you know, as much as the federal leaders are talking about, is this federal jurisdiction? I mean, should we have a, a one-size-fits-all policy approach in Canada, or should this be you know, provincial or even local responsibility? Well, we'll never have a one-size-fits-all because we will have all three levels of government needing to operate. And when we're thinking about supply, so for instance, you have highlighted how well, all three major parties are, you know, they're quite similar. Like we need more supply. Um, 
Interestingly, you know, you talked about the million uh, new homes that the Conservatives are talking about over the next few years. The NDP talk about half a million new homes. They want them especially to be social housing-like homes. Uh, I'll just put that in context for your listeners. Our own national strategy, Statistics Canada, tells us that there's 1.5 million or more homes that are in, quote, core housing need, where they're paying more than 30% of their uh, income on their housing. And so the numbers that we're talking about, we're said it's a crisis, but even the supply we're talking about is not quite enough. And so supply is often shaped by our local municipal government, their zoning decisions. And we'll often, when we want to put in rental in communities where there already isn't rental, we'll have locals say, not in my backyard. I don't want to change my community of renters here. And so at the local level, we really have to address some of the supply side zoning issues. But federal levels of government can definitely help to incentivize that supply, provide uh, infrastructure and housing investments to jumpstart that. And you did mention at the beginning of, our, uh, of the interview today, these, our housing markets reflect the interaction of supply and demand. And so it's not, you don't just want to focus on one or the other. There's such a big gap between our home prices and earnings. We need to focus on both. And one issue that has not bubbled up yet into the election conversation is that while we have been in the middle of a pandemic, we've once again used historically low interest rates to try and fuel the economy to overcome the recession. But the collateral damage has been in the housing system, in the housing market, those low, low, low interest rates. And they've been low for some time, even lower in the pandemic. It helps to fuel demand for home prices, which then drives the price of homes further out of reach what locals are earning. And so I think that this is going to be this is a complicated issue. We need low interest monetary policy right now to fuel the economy in a recession. But how might we make some adaptations to try and deflect the collateral damage in terms of housing affordability? Right. I mean, discouraging demand is is trickier. It's not something that the political leaders uh, talk about, maybe maybe for good reason. But to, to that point, though, I mean, are there circumstances that would fall on the demand side that, that do distort the market a little bit? Maybe it's, it's you know, foreign buyers or maybe it's speculators, those who flip homes or what kind of factors are at play here that maybe we could address? Yeah, and so the, the low-hanging fruit and the easier things to villainize, you'll see running throughout the platforms that are on offer in this federal election. So we're going to try and crack down on money laundering. Parties agree on that. There is a, an effort to try and discourage foreign buyers, uh, whether we're taxing them. That's been more the liberal NADP approach, and we definitely tried that in BC and Ontario. It's been important. It's not a game changer. The Conservatives have this really interesting variation and more bold uh, variation on that theme, which is, hey, we're just going to ban foreign buying for the next couple of years, see how that might create a positive contribution and then reassess. Uh, and then it's not that we don't want foreign money in our housing system. They're right by saying we're going to try and attract that foreign money into building purpose-built rentals. So don't own homes, but actually invest in rentals where locals are going to live. Um, and so that's an interesting variation on the theme of Boulder. Um, You'll hear about, hey, you know, what do we want to do to, like, prevent some shady real estate transactions? But that's all easy to be angry at somebody else. What we don't talk about in our housing system is the way in which our policies, to some degree, incentivize those getting into the housing market to want not just for housing to be their place to call home, but for also it to be a good investment strategy, a way for them to get a good return. And so, you know, I often get myself a, a really angry email coming when I'll go to this point, but we shelter our principal residences from taxation in a way that we don't shelter other kinds of assets. 
And so it encourages people sometimes to think about, hey, I'm going to invest in real estate because the returns I get on that investment, when I can call it my principal residence, don't get taxed in the way that other things if I invested in would get taxed. And that's a really important policy signal we insert into our housing system to have us confused, I would argue, in Canada, whether we want housing primarily to be a place to call home or do we want it to be a way to get rich. And I think that we disproportionately need to emphasize homes first, investment second. And I would really encourage all, all voters listening today, ask your party, the one that you're inclined to vote for, like, do you lean towards home first and investment second? Because if they do, that's an important signal that they're sending for their overall orientation to housing. Some important points. Uh, much more Generation Squeeze online at uh, GEN, GenSqueeze.ca. Professor Kershaw, appreciate your insight on all of this. Thanks for joining us here this morning. My pleasure. Have a great day. You as well. Uh, that is uh, Paul Kershaw, associate professor of the School of Population and Public Health, UBC, founder of the group Generation Squeeze, GenSqueeze.ca.